Welcome to SCN2A Insights, bringing you the latest research and clinical updates on SCN2A and genetic epilepsy from around the world. Hi and welcome to this episode of SCN2A Insights. I'm David Cunnington. And I'm Chris Pearce. In this episode, we speak to Alex Nemiroff, who is the Chief Executive Officer and founder of RogCon, a small biotech company focusing on drug development in SCN2A. He is also the parent of Roger, who is affected by SCN2A. So thanks very much, Alex, for joining us on the podcast. Uh, Happy to be here. What's your relationship with SCN2A and genetic epilepsy? On the the personal front, which is certainly uh, first and foremost, I have a son, Roger, who was born uh, with an SCN2 mutation that in his case caused seizures a couple hours after birth. And in retrospect, we're pretty sure he was having them in utero. And so when, when he was born and we were dealing with, you know, with his situation, along with taking care of him, we, we began to kind of explore the prospects of, you know, of facilitating a, a way towards a novel treatment. That years later now has led to a company that, that I'm a co-founder of, along with Kelly Dalby and Steve Petru, called RajCon. And the, the goal of that company is really to discover and, and develop novel therapeutics for mutations in SCN2A and, and the patients that suffer from them. So I really take my hat off to you, you know, having been through that same journey as you and for us having you know, Will with seizures those first couple of days of life. I reckon we were pretty much scrambling for the first sort of five years or so, and he's 17 now, and we're still scrambling to some extent. How did you find that vision and time to say, right, I'm going to do something about it, and this is what I'm going to do? In retrospect, I think if I'm being totally honest, it was in many ways a coping mechanism for for myself, you know, sort of the idea of rather than maybe dealing with the pain and the trauma directly, just shifting into this mode of how can I help fix this. And I hate to use the word fix because of what it implies. And so essentially what I mean though is I, I just kind of very quickly looked at looked at this as objectively as I could in that situation to say, here's this challenge. Is there anything that I can do to help address it? You know, when when Roger was born, you know, and he had seizures right away and we transferred him from Miami where we live in the US to Boston Children's you know, I remember distinctly having the conversation with his doctors there when we got the diagnosis and they were explaining SCN2A to us. And and they said, you know, this is severe and the, the, the outcome is going to be poor or likely poor, but it's a bit uncertain because nobody has really studied this disease extensively. That statement really stuck with me, probably starting that night when we were just, you know, up like probably you guys and all the other parents when we're just reading everything we can online and trying to wrap our heads around this. But, you know, I remember thinking, okay, if it hasn't been studied extensively, then we haven't sort of exhausted or the community hasn't exhausted the prospects for some sort of a novel treatment. You know, so when we left and we were discharged, that kind of became my obsession and focus was, is there anything or what can I be doing to help accelerate efforts to better study this disease. And once we do that, can we take those learnings and translate them into some type of novel therapeutic approach? That was your vision and sort of where you were at. How did you then link up with Kelly? After we, we, we left the hospital and we were back home, um, I connected with a, a lot of different parents. You know, I think everyone ultimately had the same objective. You know, we, we all wanted to find what we were calling at the time a cure. 
you know, I, I met Kelly through some conversations with a number of parents. And what stood out with respect to her um, was that she seemed to have this very narrow focus like I did on everything that we do and every effort that we put towards this disease should really be around accelerating drug development. For me, it, it kind of fit in that her personality of sort of being a little bit more aggressive on that front was really a nice compliment to mine, which is a bit more of a, a universal perspective on what are the pieces that we need to bring together. So what we decided to do together was start to sponsor some basic research. We, we asked around enough doctors and we were directed to Australia and to the lab of Steve Petru. And from the first conversation with Steve, you know, we, we knew that this was the right person to work with. And so together we began the journey there and started studying these mutations. What had happened at the time, back this was in 2014, there was a little bit of a misunderstanding, a misdirected understanding of this disease. It had really been studied largely in this small subpopulation of inherited cases where, you know, seizures, just like in my son's case and, and in yours, was, you know, seizure onset, first day of life, severe seizures through the first year. But then in those inherited cases, the seizures were remitting and the, the prognosis for the most part was good. So with that construct, it didn't really make all that much sense for many people to be focusing on this and certainly trying to find a a novel treatment because the, you know, the symptoms were largely remitting. You know, when we spoke to Steve the first time, he said, look, what we really need to do right away is, you know, really study and understand the biophysical consequences of the de novo, you know, spontaneous mutations. And then depending upon what we see, we could go a few different routes. And so the three of us together began doing that. So it can't all be plain sailing. You know, you're trying to look after Roger at home. You're trying to manage uh, developing this, and you've literally got skin in the game. You know, this is, there's emotion riding on the outcome. Has everything gone positively, or have you had some setbacks? By this point, you know, we had just started down the road of studying this, and you know, everyone that we had spoken to was very, very receptive to talking to parents who seemed to be motivated towards you know understanding uh, a disease that that their children were were dealing with. So at this point, it was certainly something that we hadn't faced much you know, resistance on. And, and, and like I said, I mean, I, it was kind of feeding this escape from actually dealing with the situation in front of us. And ironically enough, years later now, you know, I find myself more dealing with the pain and the trauma of this that I avoided all these years, just focusing on, you know, on, on this new treatment. You know, back then at that point, um, we hadn't faced resistance. So you reached out to Steve Petru and he suggested looking at the biology of SCN2A. How did things progress from there? So, so we started to see what, what Steve had anticipated, which was, you know, this increased excitability. The natural progression from that point in terms of a therapeutic would be something that would effectively modulate that excitability. And Steve suggested that there was a company in the United States in California with a very interesting technology. The company's name at the time was ISIS. It's now Ionis. He said, why don't, why don't we reach out to them and see if they feel like you know their technology would be a fit with what we're seeing in the lab, and maybe we could begin to collaborate together. At that point, we kind of had to make a decision on, do we want to continue down this path? Kelly had started a foundation prior to, to she and I meeting, and we were sort of operating in that space initially. But what we felt was that the best that we could do in this process would be to kind of marshal it forward and continue to push and to bring parties together. And 
we felt like the posture, the optimal posture to do that would be from a company's perspective, um, as opposed to a nonprofit. What was very sort of serendipitous is that, you know, originally there was some question as to the commercial viability of this disease. And over the, the first couple of years working on it, diagnostics improved. Um, we had a better understanding of the disease population. You know, orphan incentives made developing diseases, you know, drugs for a rare disease very desirable. And so we were able to justify shifting into a company platform and trying to move this forward in the company context, which, you know, like I said, I always felt like would be a much better way to get this thing moving and moving fast than if we were trying to do it from a, a nonprofit vantage point. So we went to Ionis early on and we basically pitched them on the idea of of working with us and seeing if their technology, which is antitensoligonucleotides, would be effective in, a, in this disease and in the model systems that we had created. And it takes money to develop these type of products. I'm sure you've had to make pitches and get outside your comfort zone as a parent. How do you go with that process? That has definitely been one of the most emotionally challenging parts of, of this whole thing. You know, I think that pitching people uh, on investments is, is challenging enough on its own. You know, when you're pitching on something that is ultimately, if successful, going to help your kid and a, and a bunch of others, you know, and so the success or failure of your pitch um, has a lot more riding on it than just economic. It's been really tough. We faced a ton of rejection. You know, it, I mean, it, it's rejection that <laughs> that at times makes you want to just sort of quit and stop. But of course, you know, we're coming home every night to our kids and, you know, talking to all these other families and seeing, you know, what's at stake here. So, you know, within that, you have kind of the strength to continue to push on. And, you know, we did in, in those early years and we just took meeting after meeting and, uh, and we found our way to get the funding needed, you know, to move this forward. And yeah, I mean, looking back, <laughs> that, that was possibly the hardest part of all of this um, and continues to kind of be as you move forward, because you know, I think it's easy to kind of overlook the fact that essentially your entire day when you are working on, you know, these programs and all of the, the, the various aspects related to them, you know, you're, you're coming home to your child at night who's potentially going to be directly impacted by the success or failure of your efforts. And so that's that's emotionally been been tough, but uh, you know, but fortunately things are moving forward. Along the way, you've formed partnerships with Ionis and now Praxis Precision Medicines. What do those partnerships allow you to do? Uh, another kind of I think core philosophy um, that we had at Rajcom is that we never felt like we should be building out a company, you know, ourselves. Essentially, like hiring people to perform each of the tasks that are needed to develop a new drug. We felt like that would not be a smart way to do this, but rather what we decided to do was really try to leverage via partnerships the best in the world as we saw it for each of the various parts of this process. And so early on, um, you know, as I mentioned, we, we began working with Steve Petru and his lab at the Flory Institute doing all of the target biology work. We then began a collaboration with Ionis Pharmaceuticals around their anti-sense technology, you know, that collaboration, which now is continuing all the way through the stage right right now in this program is going to provide us with effectively the ultimate drug that we, assuming all goes well, we'll, we'll be bringing to market. And then on the commercial side, you know, we, we began talking to Kieran Reddy, who's the CEO of Praxis, years back and developed a relationship with him when he was, you know, assisting um, almost in a mentorship type role 
you know, our early years at RajCon. And I think the goal was always, if there'd be a way to work together, you know, we thought that he was someone we'd want to work with and who we would trust with a program like this. Fortunately, you know, over those years that we were doing a lot of the early stage work, he started Praxis and the timing aligned such that we recently um, formalized a relationship with Praxis wherein they're serving as sort of the development and commercial partner on this program. So basically, they'll be the ones that, you know, are, are taking this drug through a lot of the safety work and, you know, engaging with the regulators and bringing this to market. And so we felt like and now feel like there are really sort of the best people and best group that are, are working on each aspect of this program. So ultimately, we, we kind of feel very confident that we're, we have, you know, an, an optimal structure. And that's also positioned you well ahead of a number of other genes or groups looking at other SCN2A treatments, because no one else has got that commercial partnerships and structure to actually bring that drug development right through to clinical trials and right through to then bringing a drug to market. So that's just fantastic that you've been able to bring that together. I think that one one big aspect of of all of this that's kind of really led us to, to where we are is that everyone seems to share a similar vision and priority, which is to, you know, accelerate this to market as quickly as possible while, of course, feeling like we're bringing something optimal in terms of safety and likelihood for success to the patient community. And that's certainly something that we felt with Ionis and and without question, that's something that we feel very confident in Traxxas, their desire to bring quality epilepsy drugs to market. And it must have been a proud moment for you at AES last year when Steve uh, Petru presented that poster about the ASO that's in development. How did that make you and Kelly feel in terms of the work that you've been doing? Like that was a fantastic milestone. There, there have been milestones along the way, you know, that have been incredible to see. But you know, the the tough thing about working in this space and being pers- you know, so personally connected to it is that you know you you kind of quickly hear stories about many of, you know, many of the kids that are facing so many challenges day in day out, including your own, you know, some of them who pass away. You're experiencing how long this drug development arc takes and, and how challenging this process is and, you know, all of the reasons why these drugs should ultimately fail. And so it, it, it just gets sobering very quick. You know, I don't think that we've actually celebrated any really of, of these milestones more than for, you know, a few minutes. And then it's on to, you know, what do we need to do next? And how can we kind of, you know, mitigate risks of the next stage of this program as we move forward? Yeah, and thanks very much for the work that you're doing because very humble in the way you're responding because from the outside, when we as parents look at the work you're doing and some of the work coming out of Steve's lab as part of your overall project, it's fantastic work and really gives us a hope that things are moving forward. Things are definitely moving forward. The goal, as as we stated on, you know, the, the first day we set out to, to work on this stuff, would be not stopping until there's a treatment for, for every kid that's suffering from this disease. And as the years have kind of progressed, we've seen a bunch of different subpopulations. And ultimately, that means different treatments for different subpopulations. I think everybody understands, you know, it's a very challenging space to be in. But the good thing is that in this case, you know, the programs that we're working on, we're very optimistic based on the data that we're seeing that we're going to be able to, you know, deliver something to the patients that will meaningfully impact the disease. Thanks very much for your help, Alex, and the work that you're doing. Absolutely.
It was great to hear from Alex uh, and just to see the personal drive behind why he and Kelly set up RogCon, their insight and drive to find treatments and cures as a parent has had its challenges and they've worked through those and are, and are bringing something to our community. As parents, we all want to do something and, to be honest, totally inspired by Alex and Kelly and the work they have done with RogCon and we look forward to where that goes. So you can keep up with the latest updates by subscribing to this podcast or get regular updates on SEN2A through SEN2A Australia's Facebook or Twitter at SEN2A Australia. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for your own independent health professional's advice, diagnosis or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider within your country or place of residency with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. 